to the weekly podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, January 16th, 2009. I'm Alana Rangi. When a new telescope focused on the heavens becomes operational, the first images it sees are called First Light. First Light is also the name of a science theater festival at Ensemble Studio Theater in New York City. The annual festival commissions new plays on science and technology and helps the playwrights develop them. This week, we take a look at the First Light Festival, on until the end of January, and hear a bit of Photograph 51, one of the plays featured this week. They were small changes. This afternoon, I'm at the Ensemble Studio Theater on West 52nd Street in Manhattan. I've come to see a read-through of a play in the theater's first light festival. The actors stream in and unbundle themselves from cold winter jackets. For many of them, this is the first time they've met. Eventually, they settle around a large table in the middle of a stage and begin. Want to know what the atmosphere was like in the lab? We made the invisible visible. We could see atoms, not only see them, manipulate them, move them around. We were so powerful. We saw everything, all the things that make up an object, an idea, a person, except sometimes what was right in front of us. When I was a child, I used to draw shapes shapes overlapping, like endless Venn diagrams. My parents said, Rosalind, maybe you should draw people. Don't you want to draw a That's family, Rosalind a Franklin. dog? Well, not <laughs> really. It's actually New York-based actor Elizabeth Marvel who's reading Rosalind Franklin in Photograph 51. Photograph 51 is one of a handful of science-themed plays the Ensemble Studio Theatre, or EST, is featuring at its First Light Festival, which runs through January 29th. As Lindsay Furman, the literary manager of EST, explains, this particular play could not get a stronger science theme. It tells the story of Rosalind Franklin, who was uh, a scientist working in England, studying the makeup of DNA just before the famous double helix discovery by Watson and Crick. And this is the story of how she was coming very close to cracking the double helix and due to the politics in her lab uh, both personal and gender politics her material was shown to Watson and Crick and they were able to see from her photograph photograph 51 the image of the double helix she was so deeply enmeshed in the work you know she was couldn't see the the, the forest for the trees I, I guess because she was looking at it so much, all many, many different photographs, and they saw this one photograph, and they, they understood and were able to to come to this great discovery. Can you believe it, Crick? I mean, can you really believe it? I can't. I can't. Why do you seem so tired? I can't sit still. I'm energized. I want to take on everything. Now, the world, everything. And you will, Crick. I'm just tired, I think. Graham Gillis is Associate Artistic Director at EST. The Sloan Project is a collaboration between EST and the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation that's been going for 11 years now to develop new plays about science and technology and really the way that they impact 
our daily life, and its mandate is to challenge the perception of science and scientists in the popular imagination. So to make you kind of think beyond uh, the fellas in the lab coats, in a way. It's absurd, archaic. I know, but I can't worry about it. I can worry over whatever I choose to worry over, Mr. Gosling. Hey, it's not like biophysicists have such great conversation at meals, anyway. <laughs> they tend just to talk about the work. They never take a break. But you see, those are just the kinds of conversations I need to have. Why? Scientists make discoveries over lunch, Mr. Gosling. If you say so. My name is Anna Ziegler, and uh, I wrote this play, Photograph 51, about a year ago. And this is the first time I will be hearing the current draft of the play. I mean, I think generally it's this idea that she was in a world, she was surrounded by men. I think of her as this really tough lady who, who really, you know, to, to kind of get to the level that she got to had to be that much better. I start the play out in my imagination. Her, her father told her, no, she couldn't be a scientist. And that, you know, especially at the time in the 50s, there were very few women scientists. And she had to be so passionate about this to pursue it and be willing to face lots of obstacles. And so, that, I mean, I think that's an inspiring thing. I'd never written about science. I don't have a science background at all. I read a wonderful book, uh, the biography by Brenda Maddox of Rosalind Franklin, which I highly recommend. It's a really good read and basically sort of fudged my way through the science of the play, um, learning a little bit as I went so that I now have, I think, a a very, just the, the most layman's, I could, I could explain it in, in, in only the most sort of layman's terms, what's going on. But it was really interesting, and I, and I really think that the science of the play led me to kind of the central metaphor of the play, um, which is that the two strands of DNA, and that they work together in a pair and replicate, which is what sort of Rosalind Franklin, at least in the, in the story of this play, fails to do. Um, she doesn't, she can't work in a pair and therefore, or it's one of the reasons why she did not win the race um, to discover that double helix. The First Light Festival commissions writers to draft plays about science and technology. Then the plays are put through a workshop process, like Photograph 51's Having Today. During the workshop, directors and actors analyze the script, make suggestions, and they talk about how the characters should be played. Then the playwright tweaks the script until it's ready to be turned into a full-blown production. Billy Carden, EST's artistic director, explains the importance of this process. The play exists on the stage, not on the page. That what you know, Sometimes you can sit and read a play and it reads really well, and then you put it on stage and it actually doesn't play that well. And vice versa, you can have a play that doesn't seem to read very well, but you give it to actors who understand the characters and you suddenly see the writer really had something. So that's why we go through these processes of putting it up in front of an audience in different rehearsed forms to see what's really there and that also allows the writer kind of liberates the writer to step back and look at the event as opposed to the page. Photograph 51 is only one of several plays in the First Light Festival. I asked Gillis and Furman to sum up a couple of others. We've done a play called Lennons and Balmers, which was a really exciting play by Vern Theusen, who's a Canadian playwright, and actually is the, the winner of the Governor General's Award for Playwriting, which up in Canada is kind of the equivalent to the Pulitzer. Basically, Lennons and Balmers is the story of uh, two kind of fellas that are low on the totem pole in, in Russian society in the early 20th century, and they are given the opportunity to embalm the body of, of Lenin. Uh, and if they don't agree to do it, and if they don't succeed, they'll basically be, be 
killed by Stalin. And the play is actually a comedy. It's a it's it's wonderfully funny and 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 it has a lot of excitement behind it. So we're hope, hoping to see more of that in the future. Another play we have coming up is a, a play called Posthume Musical, which is a, a play by Matt Schatz, who is a, a writer from our Youngblood program, who went to school at Carnegie Mellon University, and it's inspired in part by the robotics program at Carnegie Mellon, where a, a bereft songwriter it deals with the loss of her collaborator by getting her lover, who is uh, involved in the robotics program at Carnegie Mellon, to basically con- con- sort of enable her to collaborate with like a computerized version of her lost collaborator after he's after he's passed. And it's wonderfully funny, and the songs are, are catchy, and it's going to be a really good time. Darwin's Challenge, Friday night the 16th. It's a, a crazy comedy in which... Darwin's group of travelers on the Beagle end up getting transported into a contemporary reality TV show called Darwin's Challenge. It's all about the total misapprehension of Darwin's theories and how how horribly they're they're abused (laughs) in pop culture today. It's a really crazy, really funny play. Um, And then we have another we have another reading next Friday, the 23rd, which is towards the end of our festival a play called Beautiful Night, which is about, by Tommy Smith, which is about the invention of the theremin, or the theremin, the inventor of the theremin, during his time as an expat here in New York. The theremin is the instrument that you use your hands to control uh, electric waves to make sound. It's really eerie and high, and uh, we have we have uh, a theremin player playing the theremin, and we have the marvelous David Strathairn playing the character of Theremin, so that's going to be a really exciting reading. Most of the plays in the festival will be presented as readings, but Cardin describes an exception. You know, as part of the first light festival, we actually do a full production of a of a script that will run for four weeks. This is a wonderful play by a wonderful playwright named Deborah Zoe Laufer. She's written a play that's both very funny and very moving, and it's really about a Jewish family that's waiting for the rapture. And, you know, you might wonder how science fits into that. Well, I don't want to give it all away, but as the the mother of the family is turning towards a special relationship with Jesus, the daughter who's in rebellion and wants to pursue science actually has her own relationship with Stephen Hawking and his book, A Brief History of Time. And sort of out of that springs this wonderful you know, family play that's really about, it's about faith and knowledge and balancing the two. So we're we're actually very excited to be presenting it. Lisa Peterson, who's a wonderful director, is going to be directing that. Because EST commissions plays for the festival, it's always looking for quirky science stories to pass on to writers. To help this process, they bring together people from the art and science worlds. Gillis says... It's pretty remarkable how well they mesh. One thing that we often do here is we have cultivation events where we invite groups of scientists and groups of artists, you know, playwrights, dramatists, whatever, to kind of get together and talk about what they do. And the thing that you notice over and over again is their impulse comes from the same place. You know, they're, they're trying to create something, whether it's a theorem or a song or a play. It all begins in that, that same place of curiosity. And it's amazing. Once they start talking, you can't really pull them off each other in a way. The writers in particular are kind of blown away by all the possible stories that exist because 
in a way, we've ventured a little into it, but it's still this big frontier of, of stories that you can, any day you open the New York Times, uh, the Science Times section, there's almost always something interesting that you just didn't know about, you know, not in terms of a theory you don't know about, but a human story. Like the story of Rosalind Franklin, as Ziegler found out. If chances have it that you can't make it to any of the First Light Festival's readings before the end of January, you're in luck. EST's got an ongoing science-themed production in the works. Five Easy Steps to Metaphysical Fitness is a one-woman show uh, that's being developed by Emily Levine along with a director who's a member of the theater here named Bob Balaban. Basically, that is going to start at the end of January and run through the middle of April. It'll start in sort of a workshop format where it'll lead into a production run where it'll run every weekend from the middle of March to the middle of April. Emily is using the time here to develop a stand-up comedy act that she's been working on for several years that eventually will be made into a film that Bob is directing. To learn more about the First Light Festival or to buy tickets, log on to www.ensemblestudiotheater.org. And theater is spelt with an R-E. And if you have a science story that would make a great play, Science in the City wants to hear about it. Send us an email at scienceandthecity at nyas.org. Thanks for listening. Do you love Science in the City podcasts? There are two ways you can support them. The first is by becoming a member of the New York Academy of Sciences. You can do that by visiting us online at www.scienceandthecity.org. The second way is you can sponsor our podcasts. Get your name and advertising in our weekly podcast series that goes out to thousands of listeners every week. To find out more about advertising opportunities, email Adrian Burke at A-V-U-R-K-E at N-Y-A-S.org. Did you know that you can subscribe to our weekly podcast series on iTunes and get our newest story every week downloaded automatically to your iTunes library? Just search Science in the City in your iTunes search bar. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments about our show, don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call. Scienceandthecity at nyas.org or 212-298-8654. Don't forget to visit us online, www.scienceandthecity.org. See you next week.